you wake you. Good morning to you. Uh, we're going to be this morning in, in John 19 to begin. We're at the cross and uh, we're going to continue that. We have a uh, holiday week here. A lot going on. We need to pray for each other this week. We have some prayer requests. John 19, beginning of verse 38. We're in John for the third week as we're studying through the book of Mark. Christ, and it's an unusual event, very unusual thing. So we're going to look this morning at why. And if you leave this morning without getting this, I, I failed you. I want you to learn to search the scriptures. That's the message this morning, learn to search the scriptures. I don't title messages often, I title this one for myself, The Secret Disciple and the Student in Darkness. We're talking about Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, both of the council, the Jewish council, both men came out at the burial of Christ in a way that was uh, very dangerous for them, actually, in that day. It's, it's interesting at the cross what really happened there, if you take all the things uh, described and, and told, and who did what. The disciples were all gone but John. John had a group of women around him, one of those women was Jesus' mother. He told John, take my mother home, and she's your mother now. Jesus had siblings, interestingly enough, but John probably was the disciple closest at the time to Jesus' heart. Probably was the disciple that understood Jesus' heart better than the others. And uh, whatever, whatever you see in those last hours leading to the death of Christ, the Bible scholars and the ones that... Uh, that I really enjoy reading, most of them say, and I believe it to be true, more prophecy was fulfilled in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life than any other time in his life. That's interesting. And so we're seeing all kinds of prophecy fulfilled and Bible being uh, brought out as truth of the Word of God. And uh, so I just want to say to you this morning, we're looking at these two men and why would they do this? Why would they do a dangerous thing and go against even the group that they identified with? So let's look at that. John 19 and 38, it says, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spices, as a manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never 
man yet lay. And there lay they Jesus, therefore because the Jews' preparation for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Pray with me. Would you, would you pray with me this morning? And Father, we just thank you for this hour. We give you praise that you've created us and called us and given us way to eternal life. And not only to life eternal with you, but to joys and blessings here if we'll just follow your commandments. And Father, we thank you. You've given us such a detailed account that we might study and learn and grow and love you by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the word of God this morning. And as we look into these passages and we find that from the lips of our Christ and from the lips of those who are against him, both commanded, search the scriptures. Lord, may we understand by the truth that we find in scriptures that is worth our time. It is so time worthy for us to spend our days searching the scriptures. May we then, by your power and by your strength, gain understanding and be able to do those things that we find written therein. And Father, we thank you for loving us today. We thank you that you love us in spite of who we are and because of who we are. Your creation, a wayward lot, but Lord, you love us and you died for us. And now you live for us, that we might live with you. Thank you for these truths today. And just pray that each family represented by this fellowship, here or not here, present this morning or not present, we just pray that you would be with each one. Give us the hope and the strength. And this week, this week, as the world calls it a Thanksgiving day, may we truly be thankful for the proper things, the things of real value that you've given to us. Our Father, we thank you for loving us so. We thank you for keeping us. And Lord, we thank you for the promises that you've already, you've already fulfilled them, but we yet to see them. We thank you that we will one day enjoy your promises unfold. Be with us now. We pray this morning for people in our group and outside the group that we've heard of who have spoken an unspoken request. And Lord, we just thank you that you hear and you know, and, and we just bring these things to you. We particularly pray this morning. We particularly pray this morning for Reagan Arthur. As the COVID prior lung trouble. And we just ask today in a special way that your hand be upon her and the family. Show yourself strong, we pray now. Thank you for all that you are and who we are because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. A little different message I want to say this morning. We're going to look at some things about these two men. Now, they came to ask Jesus, body of Pilate and the sepulcher was hewn very short order from the cross itself. It was in the same garden, the Bible says. Very unusual, a man of Joseph's stature, of his wealth, 
to have a tomb in this area, so close to the crucifixion place of common criminals. Very unusual. Did uh, the Bible says he had it hewn for himself, or did he? I mean, the Bible says he had it hewn for himself, but what was his motive? He was one, we'll see, was a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. Then we have Nicodemus. We will look at what the Bible says about Nicodemus. And then I want to move on to some things where I want us to see as a group this morning as we look at these things that happened, and they surely did. And the one thing that those who hated Christ demanded of a man who would stand in his defense, and it is the reason, it is the reason that we can understand. I think it's wonderful. In, in studying the scriptures, I came across this one phrase, and as it, as it does in my life, it, it spawned a sermon. One phrase I saw in the Bible, and it spawned a whole way of thinking in me that created a message in my heart, and I believe God gave it to me. This is what it is. These two men and what led them to do what they did in danger and in peril of their own lives, what gave them boldness that the disciples did not even have at this time? What was it? And I say this because the days are coming when we may be able to exercise those things ourselves. We're going to be surprised how it falls out, I believe, in the day of adversity. I believe in the day of adversity, we'll be surprised who's who and who does what. Maybe the quietest guy in the church, the one who is very unassuming, he may be the hero. Maybe the guy who has it all going and says it all and knows it all, he may flee for his life to the hills and get shot in the back of the head. Maybe. It's not been uh, uncommon in history, by the way. I want to know this morning, I want to know this morning this, do you love him? And I don't want to know it for me, I want you to know it for you. These men love the Christ. So if Joseph of Arimathea, and I'll give you these verses and I'll read them to you. This is what we know about Joseph from the Bible. We put the Bible together and find out that he was rich. It says in Matthew 27 and 57, And when evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. That's in Matthew. We find that he was a prominent member of the Jewish council. Matthew 15 and 43. Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly to Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. That's Matthew's account. We find he, he was a prominent member of the council, the Jewish council. We find he was a good and righteous man who had not consented to the uh, deceit, uh, deeds of the council. It says in Luke 23 and 50, And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just. Luke 23 and 51, the next verse, parenthetically says this. The same had not consented to the counsel and the deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. And you understand, that, I don't particularly fullness of it, but you understand he's going against everything that the council he's a member of has decided. Dangerous. 
It says he was praying for the Messiah to come. In Mark 15 and 43, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God and went in boldly to Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And then again, we saw in 38, as we began to read that he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's Joseph. That's the man who had a tomb craved out, carved out of stone and put Jesus in there where no man had laid before. And now Nicodemus. It says in verse 39, as we began in John 19, also Nicodemus, which had first came to Jesus by night. Let's go to that this morning. Let's just do that. Let's, John chapter 3. The Gospel of John and chapter 3. And can I tell you the way the Gospels open up is the way they go? There's a delineation in John chapter 3 that we all should take uh, heed to, I believe. It says in 3 and 1 of John, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles which thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In just casual reading, the answer makes no sense. <laughs> but it does. <coughs> Let me say to you this, you find in the Bible when you study, particularly those who are instructed by Jesus, you find that when they ask a question, he answers the root of the question. He answers why the question was asked. The question may or may not even be intelligible, but he answers why. He answers the heart. The mouth speaks and the heart gets answered. And that's what I love about the, these gospel uh, uh, teachings of Christ. But he said, and he called him a good master, and, and he gave him credit. He said, you must be from God. And Jesus said, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That is the delineation in my estimation of the book of John. That's why John, this is why I believe John is different than the other three gospels. It's a different type of a gospel. John is the writer, the inspired writer by the Holy Spirit of God, called to, commissioned to, tell the people one of the great divisions and the thing that you need to understand as a Christian if you're going to live your life peacefully and fruit fruitfully and joyfully one of the things the thing one thing and a very powerful thing we need to understand is there's a very big difference between the spirit and the flesh and that's what I'm telling you that we are in Sunday school with five things the Lord brought to me as a young preacher and this will be the fifth thing 
And uh, it's this, you know, he said to his disciples, to John, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. The things that we get confounded with along the way as Christians is, we're trying to do spiritual things with fleshly means. Oftentimes, we're trying to get a spiritual answer using the flesh to achieve it, and it does not work, and we get frustrated because we don't know what manner of, I mean, particularly if we're not applying, we're not thinking, we're not uh, discerning very well sometimes that this is a spiritual matter. The flesh is not going to answer it well. We need this to be through God's authority, through the auspices of the Holy Spirit, not through our power, our strength, or our wit, or whatever else. John tells us this nighttime interview between Nicodemus, a counselor, part of the Jewish council, came to Jesus in the darkness, under the cloak of darkness, and he said, Rabbi, Rabbi, which was a tremendous thing to call him for that man. He said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher sent from God, because no one can do what you've been doing except God be with him. And Jesus said, yeah, well, you must be born again. <laughs> and Nicodemus said, well, how can that be? How can you do that? And Jesus said, you're a teacher and don't know this answer? Folks, how... how What an answer that is to people who stand behind pulpits and teach Sunday school classes. The Lord says to Nicodemus, you're supposed to be a teacher, and you don't know these things. I don't know about hours, but the, the minutes at least that I've said and just pondered that statement. Am I going to hear that from Christ when I stand before him? You said you were a teacher. And you didn't understand the difference in the spirit and the flesh? The frustration of the Christian life, I'm telling you this, the frustration is often trying to achieve spiritual answers with a fleshly logic or, or working out, whatever. It doesn't work. Because that which is flesh is flesh. And that which is of spirit is a spirit. And so this interview went, went with him. Uh, he says in 7, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists, and we hear the sound of it. We can't not tell where it comes or whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. You see, you can't see the wind. And you can't see the spirit of God. What you can see is the effects of the wind and the Spirit of God. And uh, the Bible teaches that so clearly. A man that's full of the Spirit of God is sometimes mistaken for a man full of the Spirit of alcohol. So you look the same. You're giddy. You're singing. And uh, your friends think you ought to stop. You're just happy. You're full of the Spirit. And, you, and, and Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, these men are not drunken as you suppose. These men are not full of alcohol as you suppose. They're full of the Spirit of God. When you go to a liquor store and it says spirits, it says it's a, it's a I saw that, the spirits and whatever else it says. The spirits is above the door. 
Because it is. And can I say this to you? When I was in Africa, I learned this. Those men sat around all day and they drink this uh, nasty, nasty fermented uh, grain. I think it's different grains. But they sit around all day. What they do is they lay around and, and uh, they drink this stuff on the, from a big cauldron in the middle of the floor that's fermenting. And they are there to decide the way the tribe should go. And the women are out working and they have to go gather the food and, and cook the food and raise the kids while the men lay around and get soused every day. And never is a decision made about anything ever because they can barely walk home when they finally decide the council's over for the day. That's what I saw day in and day out. And these are the heads and these are the, the men. These are the men. Women have to go out and get a guinea fowl. They call it a guinea fowl. And feed the kids, that's what their job was. And then the, better be, the, uh, the hut better, the, the dirt on the floor better shine, and the kids better be all, and, and the men are going to decide some things. And they never decide anything. And so the chief never went into that, and he said, you can go in there if you want to. They called me in, he said, you can go if you want to. It's debauchery. But if you want to see what they do over here, this is what I want you to see. I was in there for about 20 minutes, and, and I got up and just left, and no one even noticed. Because I'm small. And they kept on just having their powwow. And later, after I spent the whole day in the village doing different things, they started stumbling out of there going home. Well, they had held their council, the men's council today. And so the chief called me into his quarters. He said, what did you see? What did you see today? And I said, I don't want to say. And he said, tell me, I saw it too. You can't tell. I said, it's what I saw. I described what I saw. And he said, that's why they call it spirits. Because that spirit allows other spirits in it. That spirit, liquor spirits, they are spirits. And they bring in other spirits. They take away your inhibitions. They take away a lot of things, but they allow other spirits. And an interesting day. It was an interesting day. But you cannot see the Spirit of God. You cannot see the wind, but we can see the effects of both. You can see where a strong wind has gone through, a tornado has gone through. You can see the devastation, the effects of the wind, but you can also see the effects of the Holy Spirit in a man. You can see that he's different. He walks different, he talks different, he has a different attitude toward things. And I want you to know that that is, that's the fifth thing the Lord taught me when I was joining the ministry, coming to the ministry, is this. I don't know if you're saved or not. I don't know. I can't know. There's no way. I'm not a detector of the Spirit of God. But I know one thing. If you received Him and you're glad, everybody's going to know it. If you're grateful for what the Lord has done for you in saving your soul, you can't stop it. The effects are like a tornado, like a whirlwind. And he says to Nicodemus, don't marvel at these things. There's a great difference between the two. In verse 10 he says this, Art thou a master in Israel, and knoweth not these things? The book of John, and I have uh, friends who are tied up with this. The book of John speaks in this tone from here forward. Jesus said, in John, it's recorded only, 
that Jesus said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you cannot be my disciple. And we have people today who are struggling, believing that the communion turns to the blood of Christ in your body as you take it in, and the cracker turns into the flesh of Christ. Well, let me take that to you. It's not what he said. That is not what he said, but let me say this to you. If that has to be true, because that's the wording used, if you're going to be the type of Christian so literal with the word of God that the blood, the wine turns to blood, the actual blood of Christ, and the cracker turns to flesh, here's what you're going to be walking around like. You're going to have your eyeballs gouged out. You're going to have your hands cut off. You're, you're not going to have anybody around you because out of you is going to be flowing rivers of living water all the time. You're going to hate your parents. You're going to hate your brothers. You're going to hate yourself. If you take literal these things that the Lord said, I'm going to tell you something early on, there's a difference between flesh and spirit. And when you go to the passage where Jesus said, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you cannot be my disciple, he said this before and after he made that statement. The words that I say unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Here's what it says. I'm teaching you some things now that are spiritual, and by that be, being true, they are life-giving. They are spirit and life, spiritual and life-giving. You want to live the Christian life in its truth? Learn this. There's a difference between the flesh and the spirit. Now, Nicodemus, interesting. That's, his, that's his, uh, his history. It says he came to John and uh, Jesus in darkness, and we see that there. It says he learned of the light in verse 19 of chapter 3. Jesus speaking, he said this in the same passage, this is the commendation uh, or condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And so he came in darkness, and Christ taught him about the light. He contrasted between the flesh and the spirit, it says in John 7 and 50, and this is where I got my sermon, by the way, that Nicodemus contended for the truth. When the council, the, the um, religious council of the day, was wanting to kill Jesus because of envy, they hated him because he was what they pretended to be. John 7 and 50 says this, Nicodemus said to them, that he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? Listen to the answer. This is the answer from those who hated Jesus. And they answered and said to him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee arise no prophet. And every man went to his own house. Interesting, right? Isn't that interesting? Jesus said, he had already said this publicly, 
It's John 5 and 38. And you have not his word abiding in you, Jesus said, for whom he has sent, him you believe not. John 5, 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Did you hear that? Praise God. Did you hear it? Here's the biggest dilemma in my life. And you probably don't even care. But I understand it. People who say they love the Lord, that don't search the scriptures. What, what, what is that? I don't care what you drive, where you live, what your bank account is. This is the most precious thing in your life. If you're a Christian, this is the most precious thing in your life, the Word of God. This is who He is and who we, we, we are now because of Him. It describes it. It defines it. It lays it out. It gives the answers to all the questions. It makes us not go through life wondering and fearful and doubting and at the uh, hands of people who would define us in a way they want us to be defined, but God said, I've already defined you. I've defined you. I, I disrupted you. Oh, I did. I disturbed you first. I disturbed you. I came to your house and said, you need me. And you said, no, I'm fine. And as I laid my Holy Spirit more against you, you finally came to me. That was, that was disturbing to you, I know. And then you finally came to me. And now I disrupted your plans. I disrupted all your plans and said, this is what I have for you, and this is what I've gifted you to do, and this is what I have for you. And when you do these things that I've given you gifts to do, oh, you're going you're gonna to do something for the kingdom. And when you come home, you'll hear, well done. And then when you allow me to come in and disturb you and then disrupt you now, I'm going to define you. I'm going to look down and that's my son. That's my son. I love him. That's my daughter and boy, I love her. And you know what? Look at her. She loved me back. She loved me right back. Look at her. Oh, she could do those things for herself and have more things around her, but she gave them to me. She gave them to me. She wants my family to have them. She wants my children to prosper. She wants my church to grow. She wants my children to understand more about me because we know this. The more we know, the more we love him. He's wonderful to us. And to the Christian who says, I love the Lord and doesn't search the scriptures, I have no answer. But I have a lot of questions. I, got, I have no answer to that person. I have questions. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Leave her alone, Jesus said to his disciples. He wasn't talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the haters. He was talking to his disciples. He said, you leave her alone. She brought a memorial to me on this side of the grave. You can say lovely things at my funeral, but uh, I'm not going to hear them. 
She's telling me now. She's telling me now. She brought a memorial of my funeral this side of the grave. And she said, I want you to know something. It's not going to be when you're on that briar or that cross or in that tomb. Right now, I want you to know what I think about you. I love you. You are to me a sweet fragrance. You are a fragrance that fills my life. And Judas said, because he loved the purse, he carried the money. Why, she's wasted that. There's a year's wages in that box. And Jesus said, let her alone. Think of that phrase. Let her. First of all, let her. And she's the only one doing it. Let her alone. Let her alone be the one. And he said, I'll tell you something else about her now. Everywhere the gospel's preached, her name will be taught. That's what the Lord does. She gave me a memorial today. I'm giving her one back. When they remember me, they'll remember her. That's the way the Lord works. That's the way the Lord works. He says, you bless me, I'll bless you right back. You want to bless me? You want to use some of your earthly goods to build my kingdom? I'll use my kingdom to build your earthly goods. And it works right back. That's the way he works. When the motive is right, when the love is there, he says this, try me. Go to Malachi chapter 3 and read it. Just try me. See that I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you'll say this. Stop. I can't, I can't house it all anymore. I've got nowhere to put the blessing anymore. Give it to someone else for a while. I'll tell you more about that. You think I'm bragging, but it's the truth of God. He'll bless you until you can't receive anymore. You have to say give it to somebody else for a while. I promise you he will. I promise he will. But if you do your own thing and go your own way and live your own life, he said this, you get what you get. And at the end, it'll just burn up and blow away. It's your life. And so Nicodemus, the hateful counsel against Christ, said this, search and look. You know what I think happened? I think, I think Nicodemus searched and looked. Jesus already said, search the scriptures. I think he did just that. Now Jesus already told Nicodemus in that night interview there, if you go to 3 and 14 back there, it says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In that day, Nicodemus knew lifted up meant crucifixion. The Lord already told him, I'm going to be crucified. And then there's a passage in Isaiah. If, if, if uh, Nicodemus was part of the council, surely he had, was understanding of the Old Testament, or at least knew where the things were. But Isaiah, just listen as I read this to you. I'm going to read this. Just listen to Isaiah 53. He says in Isaiah 53, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? power of God, the arm of the Lord, the strength of God. Who's seen it? For he shall grow before them as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground, he hath no form or comeliness. 
And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. And for the transgression of many people he was stricken. And verse 9 of that chapter says this. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. I believe maybe Joseph was a rich man. The Bible says he was rich three times. That means he was rich. It says the sepulcher, though, the new hewn sepulcher was in the same garden as he was crucified. I think those two men waited inside the tomb. I think when they heard it is finished, <laughs> I think they went right to Pilate. Can we have his body? 100 pounds of spices. Folks, that's a lot of spice. 100 pounds of spice is a lot of spice. Pilate says, is he already dead, really? You couldn't hardly believe it. You want to know why? I've been studying the crucifixion more this the actual means in crucifixion. Usually it says their feet were not more than a foot off the ground, 18 inches. They were right there looking at them. It wasn't, it wasn't like it's depicted mostly in, in pictures and these things around you. So when they put that cross up like a post in the ground and it went down in the hole, the, their feet were not usually more than one foot off the ground, but they were suspended. And so the conversation now between Jesus and John makes a lot more sense. Jesus, Mary's looking right at him. Her son, beaten beyond human recognition, eyes swollen shut, mouth so dry that his tongue, the Bible says, is cleaves to his mouth. And he spoke. And he wasn't a whimper, and it wasn't a whisper. With a loud voice, he said. With a loud voice, he said. And even the very end of his life, when he gave up the ghost, with a loud voice, he said, it is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Loud voice, still in complete control. I think those men were in the tomb. I think they were waiting to hear it. I think they watched out there and saw John and Mary and the other Marys and Salome. And they heard the Lord cry because it was with a loud voice they heard him cry. It's finished. And the Bible says he hung his head and died. Isn't that something, folks? 
in there somewhere. Search the scriptures. Let me tell you this for just a moment. We'll get you out of here, I promise. This is from the book of Acts, and it says, it's in 8 and 32, but I want you to listen. It begins Acts 8 32. It says, the place of the scripture which he read this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And this was the eunuch, you remember. But listen here carefully. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture to preach unto him Jesus. Did Nicodemus have Jesus in the Old Testament? Did he search the scriptures and find this was the Messiah? Why would Joseph and Nicodemus, among all these other God-haters, believe on Jesus Christ? Why? Okay, so let's finish this morning with this. Now this thing about why we're actually here this morning. This thing about searching the scriptures. And again, listen carefully to this now. John 5 and 39, the Lord said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. In them ye think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Man, I was a young preacher, and I read that, read that, read that, read that. <laughs> then I was driving down the road, and I was listening, and it was um, Warren Wiersbe. Warren Wiersbe. And he's preaching on this. And man, I turned the radio up. I slowed the car down, turned the radio up. I want to hear what he had to say about this passage. It, to me, it was a tough, tough verse because I searched the scriptures and I found eternal life. But do you know what the Lord said? Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they, these are they, and they are they which testify of me. And here's what the Wisby said, and it changed everything for me. He said this, the very great danger the Lord was teaching was this. You can know the scripture of God. You can know the word of God. But you better know the God of the word. Search the scriptures. Oh, all of the Sanhedrin, all of these people, the priests and the, and the uh, religious leaders of that day, they quoted scripture to Jesus. Can you imagine? They quoted scripture to Jesus to tell him why he wasn't the son of God. And he said repeatedly, read it for yourself, if you knew the scriptures, you would be so glad that I'm here. But you're not only, a, you're not only lying about Moses, you're lying about the Father. You have no idea what you're talking about. Same as the Apostle Paul. When Paul was born again, I have no... I have no condemnation of Paul. None. I say this. He was the number one student. He was the number one student. He said Gamaliel's feet. And you listen to Gamaliel's answers in the Bible, and he says this, boy, you better be sure what you're doing now. That's all he said. You better be sure what you're doing. If you go out and do what you think you're, you're going to do right here, he says, if, if it's him, it's going to turn out real bad. And if it's not, it will just die out anyway. You might as well sit down and be quiet. Let the thing pass. 
wise man. Paul was his number one student, huge brain, huge heart, and the Lord said to Paul, 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 Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Paul, you know those scriptures. Now let me tell you what they mean. You see the difference? You can know the word of God, but you need to know the God of the word. And then that's what the Lord said. Very real danger there. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done. Oh, we were doers, weren't we? Many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Do you think, folks, I'm harping? Do you? I hear, I hear people say that to me. You keep repeating the same stuff. I don't want one person here in my hearing to stand before the Lord and hear this conversation. I don't want one of you. I don't want one of you, your kids, your grandkids, anybody you know, your name. I don't want anybody to stand before the Lord and hear this. Depart from me, I never knew you. He didn't say you weren't religious enough. Man, we got religion out our ears. You know what most of the wars are about? Religion. We got religion. We need a relationship. We need to know what spirit we are of. The Bible says, Lord's taught that so well. In that day, in the day of judgment, in the judgment day, people are going to stand in Jesus' face and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Isn't that an interesting thing? He didn't say he didn't prophesy. He said, I don't know you. You know how many people tell me in my little area of business through the years, how many people tell me they've been in church all their life and have no understanding of Scripture? I was a church secretary. I was the head of the council of the board. I was on the maintenance, all the, everything a church could put together. How many people said and tell me this? Well, until you told me that, I never understood it. That didn't make any sense to me at all. And I've been in church all my life. Knowing the Word of God and the God of the Word are two different things altogether because when you know Him, He interprets it to you. When you don't know Him, it's foolishness unto the natural man, Paul says in Romans 1. It's foolishness unto Him. And it doesn't have to be an angry, foolishness, outward appearance of, that's just silly. It has to be this. I don't understand, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to be a hateful, I hate Christians, I hate church. It can be from churchgoers who say they love the church and yet don't understand the interpretation of these things. That's why we're here. And let me tell you something. I hope this encourages you as it does me. You, you people make comments to me that open my understanding more than you know. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me only. He speaks to you. You have things to say. 
you say things at that door sometimes or outside or even in conversation you're not aware of that encourage me and open my understanding in a greater way. Because he's talking to you too. I'm not here just to declare the gospel. I'm here to define the gospel and make it something to live with. And I hope you're getting that. I, really, I pray to God every day that's what we're doing here. And we end it with this. Paul said in Romans 1 and 1, Paul said this, as we look at the scriptures, and Jesus said, and these are they, they are they which testify of me. Search the scriptures, they testify of me. Romans 1 and 1, Paul says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Parenthetically, chapter 2, his parenthesis says, which he hath promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures. Prophets all came and said, you're looking for him. You're looking for him. And when he came, no one saw him. In Luke 24, you remember the first, what the church calls the Easter, the first resurrection morning when Jesus met the two walking down the road to Emmaus. It says in 24 and verse 25, And then he said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, this hateful Sanhedrin said to Nicodemus making fun of him, go search and look. There's no prophet here. And Jesus said, I'm on every page. If they were God's men and knew the, book, knew the Bible as they said they did, they should have seen me when I came. They should have welcomed me to the world, and they should have worshipped me when I came. But they're hypocrites and they're liars. That's the problem. I close with the Proverbs chapter 8. Now therefore hearken unto me, O you children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and refuse not. Blessed is a man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates. Can you imagine that? Blessed is a man who heareth me, understand me, and watches daily at my gates. The going in and the, and, the, and the coming out. The going in and the coming out of the Lord's people. He stands at the gates. Someone <laughs> came in my store the other day and said, why are you the first one we see when we come in here? <laughs> and I said this, if I could move closer to the door, I would. I mess with everybody that comes in that place, and I catch them on the way out just the same. Can you imagine doing it at the Lord's gates? Absalom did it. Absalom, David's son, did it to take the kingdom down. Wouldn't it be glorious to hear the blessings of the people entering the courts of the Lord? The things on their lips. I'm home. I'm home now. Again, blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my door. Now again, please understand the word waiting in the Proverbs and the Psalms means not to sit down and, and uh, 
wait, it means when someone brings you a meal, it's your waiter. It means in service of the Lord, what can I get for you? What else can I bring you? Can I, can I fill your glass? Can I refresh your, your, your drink? For whosoever findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Search and look. Search and look. Nicodemus did. And it gave him the courage to go and ask his body, his death, in, at his own peril. Do you do that this morning? Are you a Christian of God that searches the scriptures? Do you? I've been given a lot of things in this world. I've had some things and I've lost some things. I've lost a lot. I've had more. But there's nothing compared to the Word of God. Praise God. No, I, nothing. Nothing. And, and every day, what shall a prophet a man comes to my mind? I don't tell you young people, you're worried about ending up okay in this world, society. You can't, you can't help but accumulate too much stuff, I don't think. But can I tell you this? This is your treasure right here. Amen, bro. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Can I answer that for you? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's all gone. What shall it profit a man? There's no profit in this world of eternal value. None. The Word of God. Bringing people to the kingdom and encouraging them in the kingdom. That's our work. That's our work. Birth and maturity. Don't you love him? Don't you love him? You're amazing. Amazing to us. Lord, we just thank you again. We pray for this day. We pray for this week. We set aside and call it a day and call it Thanksgiving. Lord, may we set aside every day and be thankful. May we with our life, our, our life, show you and everybody who will look our direction how much we're thankful. And Lord, we are. And we are because of you. We thank you for the lives you've given us. We thank you for the things in this life that are ours because of you. But we thank you mostly for those things we look forward to in your kingdom. Thank you for that assurance. Thank you for that promise. And thank you for resting our hearts in this. No matter what happens here, it's been a short time. This morning with one heart we say, Lord, we love you. And we thank you. And we are thankful. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Before we uh, sing our final hymn, I just want to give everyone an, an update on one of our missions. Uh, we have a local mission.